There are many symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John and in other parts of the Bible. Here he is pictured as a comforter or a helper. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Wind is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. This beautiful window behind us reminds us that we believe here that the Holy Spirit must permeate and control everything, otherwise it's temporary and really useless. My uh, little grandson was sitting down here on a recent Sunday with his parents, Nathan. He looked up at that window and he said to his mother, Mommy, isn't that silly, Jesus praying to that bird? <laughs> it's all in the eyes of the beholder. He'll learn, but it's a symbol, that dove. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, the dove descended on his shoulder. The voice of God from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. Beautiful picture of the Trinity, God speaking, the Holy Spirit lighting, Jesus standing in the water of the Jordan. Jesus Christ promised us a helper. Verse number 16 and verse number 26 uses the word in the New King James, helper, translated from the word comforter. Catherine Marshall wrote a book with the title, The Helper, based on this passage. From the Greek, the word comforter or helper is parakletos which has a tremendous meaning to it. It's one you can remember. It's very simple. It means one called alongside to help. It's beautiful, beautiful imagery. Called alongside to help. That's what it means. And that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And he's doing a marvelous work in our world. So often we focus on the bad news. The paper's filled with bad news. Even the sports page, the king's lost again. It's discouraging. You can get defeated just by looking at the news. But there's a lot of good news that we need to be reminded of. Things that don't always hit the paper or get on television. Wonderful accounts of the helper coming alongside to assist, touching lives, changing circumstances, doing marvelous things. I was thinking of the late 50s when the five missionaries who went to the Alka Indians were martyred, all of them slain on the beach. The world said it was a tragedy. This massacre was unnecessary. Why did they go? The wives of those young men decided they would continue their husband's work. With the help of Dayuma, a young Alka woman, the missionary wives learned the language and translated parts of the Bible. Then Dayuma went with the missionary wives to visit her people. A book and a movie by that name was produced, Dayuma. All five of the killers became Christians. 
as these wives went back into the tribe with Diuma to teach them about this word. They then began to teach and to serve their people. And a church emerged in the Alka jungle. Some years later, Steve Saint, son of one of the missionaries, Nate Saint, the sister and two Alka teenagers were baptized at the very place where the massacre took place in the river. Who baptized them? Two of the Alka men who had been the killers did the baptizing in the same place where they murdered the missionaries. How exciting to me is the work the Holy Spirit is doing in the world. This story is an example. Now that's not written up on the front page of the paper, but it is an example of the helper or the comforter or the paracletos who comes alongside to help. He turns tragedies into triumphs. That's why the word is there, the helper. And Jesus said, I will not leave you without a comforter. I will not leave you helpless. If you feel helpless, you're not tuned in to what Jesus said about this great personality, the Holy Spirit. Further to illustrate, some time ago I had the privilege of ministering in Portugal. On a Sunday night, I was amazed to step into the pulpit of a church in Lisbon, Portugal and see the place jammed to the doors and to hear the pastor say that there are 400 of our churches across Portugal that would Greet your eye with the same scene tonight. Packed to the doors. You don't read that on the front page. We've used the phrase hanging from the rafters. I saw it that night. They were sitting on the railings that came down from the balcony and on the railing up there, dangerously, feet hanging over the edge of the railings from the balcony. They took up every inch of space they could find in that auditorium in order to get in for the preaching of the gospel. Or that we might take a chapter out of that particular book. A Sunday night with such hunger in their hearts that they fill the church houses to hear the word of God. The Holy Spirit helping, coming alongside Dr. J. Herbert Kane, professor of missions at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School near Chicago said, while the rest of us are content to study and analyze church growth, our Pentecostal friends are quietly going about the business of producing church growth. You see, even the non-Pentecostals are recognizing that the personality who is bringing about so many exciting things in our world is the Holy Spirit, and you can't shut him out. That's what makes missions work so tremendous in this hour. I used to say <coughs> to you here that the overseas church was doubling every seven years. I can't say that anymore. I must now tell you 
that the overseas church is doubling every five years. And by the year 2000, it is estimated, should Jesus tarry, that we can knock another two years off of that. That I could come back here in the year 2000 and say, the overseas church is doubling every three years. Why? Because of the powerful personality known as the Holy Spirit. He's at work. He's moving where he is welcomed and recognized. And that's what this 14th chapter of the Gospel of John is all about. I'm going to go away. I'm going to have to leave you. But the Holy Spirit is coming. He will never leave you. He will be in you. He said in John 7, on the great day of the feast, he will be like a river from within, bursting forth. Oh, how beautiful and wonderful is the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about some characteristics of the Spirit's work in my message today. And I want you to catch these words, and if you would like, write them down so you can check up on yourself to see if this blessed person is really at work in you and you are expecting him to do what the Bible indicates he should be doing. The first word is reality. Just write down the word reality. The presence of the resurrected Christ becomes intensely real. He becomes very much alive when the Holy Spirit is there. Jesus knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to have to leave his disciples. He knew they would need the Comforter. And after the resurrection, were they discouraged? Were they discomfited? Were they scattered? No. They had the Holy Spirit visit them in an upper room. The Holy Spirit came upon them, made the presence of Jesus real to them, and they were willing to become martyrs for his cause. He was that real to them. They were willing to walk into lion's dens, into Nero's torched gardens, into Circus Maximus, where thousands of Christians died for their faith. And what was their attitude as they died? One of joy, one of victory, one of reality. That's the thing that drove Nero mad was when he hung them on the poles in his garden and torched their bodies. They all sang. They were singing praises to God. And with the sound of crackling flames was the sound of Christians' voices singing praises to the living Christ because the Holy Spirit was there alongside to help. Reality. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, 1 John 4, 4 says. Translated, it means you don't have to be overcome by the problems you see emerging on the horizon. Greater is he that is in you. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. Than he that is in the world. Reality. Never alone. Alongside to help. He dwelleth with you and shall be in you, Jesus said in verse number 17. You've got to know that in order to be victorious, in order to live a triumphant Christian life. In the world of boxing, 
A defeated man is often called a horizontal boxer because of his ultimate position, flat on his back, and it's not amiable in that occupation. I was thinking about that, however, and thought of horizontal Christians. They're always on their backs. The Word of God repeatedly calls for us to stand. Stand, therefore, Ephesians 6. Too many spend their lives picking themselves up off the floor. They struggle more and more. They go down in defeat on their back, horizontal believers knocked out by the devil. They accept a succession of failures and defeats as the normal way of life. It's not the normal way for the believer. It's not what Jesus taught us. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The word is reality. Oh, that God would help us to cease our roller coaster experiences up one day and down the next. Defeated look in our face, defeated walk. Come to church Sunday by Sunday saying, Oh, pastor, lift me up. I'm just flat on my back. My dear friend, you have a comforter, a helper, a paraclete who stands beside to help. Nobody can defeat him. Nobody can overcome him. Nobody, nobody, nobody. He is greater than everything and everyone else. The Holy Spirit wants us to become a conqueror, not a casualty. We have too many casualties and not enough conquerors. Now I'm preaching to every one of you today. God wants us to be conquerors as we recognize this personality that Jesus sent to the world. Some of you are beat down with guilt today. You can't rise up because you can't get over your sin. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hebrews 10, 17, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. If God has forgotten them, then for heaven's sake, you forget them with the help of the Holy Spirit who is real and you don't go around with guilt and defeat in your life. You're forgiven if you've come to Jesus for that forgiveness. Now have the good sense not to go back into the pig pen, of course. Live in victory, but don't let the devil put a guilt trip on you and keep you always feeling you've got to wash away your sins again as he brings them to your mind. God forgets them. We're clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. The blessed Holy Spirit comes to show us that with reality. Hallelujah. And when you stand before the Lord, he won't even see the sin. That's what characterized the early church. They weren't a perfect people. They were bad, just like we are. Peter failed the Lord. He cursed. But the early church was characterized by reality. The church at the turn of the century was characterized by reality. The blessed Holy Spirit, the Comforter, revealed himself, and they took him at his word and in his revelation lived as conquerors victorious, and move the world. And that's what the Lord is looking for today. 
reality, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Second word is expectancy. Church should be an exciting experience. A tingling sensation should be a part of our worship often. Do you come expecting something from God? It was interesting watching our television pilot that we did in October. As the cameras zeroed in on faces in the congregation, I've looked at it several times, learned from it. I was shocked how many people were chewing gum. Time after time, as that camera zeroed in, here is somebody chewing their cud. The television producer said, if you go on television, you're going to have to talk to your people about gum. We had a hard time finding a face that wasn't chewing something. And I thought, dear Lord, what are we doing here? How can you praise God chewing gum? How can you open your mouth and sing with a wad in your mouth? And it underscored for me again some things that need to be mentioned from this pulpit. We have come into the holy place to hear the voice of God, to experience the Spirit of God, and we ought to come with an expectant heart. We ought to be sitting up. We ought to have our eyes open and our hearts open and our lives alert. God, whatever you want to do, do it here today. I'm ready. I'm expecting. I need a miracle today, God. I've come to do business with you. Expectancy. In the early outpouring of the Spirit, people left the formal and stereotype patterns in the older traditions and denominations because they expected something from the Lord as they came to the house of God. All the great ecumenical creeds of the ancient church state in one form or another, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And yet it's one thing to state it in the beginning of your production or your uh, documents. It's another thing to experience it and expect the Holy Spirit to be there. And many of these denominations and these groups have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit today. You'll never find his name mentioned in their writings. You'll never find his name mentioned in their churches, in their periodicals. He is an absent entity anymore. And that's why people are flocking into churches where the Holy Spirit is welcome, where there is open worship, where there is an opportunity to have your sins forgiven, your body healed, the demonstration of the power of God, deliverances from alcohol, and all of the rest. That's what people are longing for today. I ask you, have you come to church expecting something from God today? If not, why are you here? If you go to a basketball game, you expect a basketball game. If you go to a football game, you expect a football game. If you turn on a TV set, you expect a picture. Then when you come to church, you ought to expect the Holy Spirit to put his finger on you and do something in you. And if you're expecting him to do it, he will. It's that we often don't come with that expectant heart. I'm challenging you today 
to expect the Holy Spirit to do something great in your life. There was in Bogota, Colombia, an occult convention that illustrates this. The witches gathered together for a convention and all the Satanism was there. The word filtered back to the United States and Brother Jack Hayford at the Church on the Way got wind of it and called together the people to pray against the occult convention in Bogota, Colombia, and especially to pray for the four-square missionaries that were in that city because they are a four-square church. So Pat Boone and others, that's Pat's home church, prayed earnestly that God would somehow work through the missionaries in Bogota during this occult convention, and they came and prayed with expectancy. They expected to hear something back from Bogota about what happened during that week. Well, the word came. The head witch was hit with such confusion that she took the advice of a friend and sought, quote, professional, end of quote, help. The professional help happened to be the four square missionaries. That's right. She found herself on the doorstep of the four square missionaries for this help. Well, they prayed her through to deliverance and salvation. She left converted. She went right back to the convention to tell her friends about Jesus. The newspapers and radios openly reported that the occultists were not able to adequately do their stuff. The thing was a bomb out. Now these people gathered because of expectancy. Outside of the doors of the convention hall, Christians stationed themselves to pray, and the interference of prayer brought confusion inside the meetings so they couldn't do their stuff. Well, my friends, that kind of spirit will prevail for your miracle, for your deliverance, for your help, for your problem, if you expect the Lord to honor what he has said in his word. But you've got to expect it to happen. Expectancy is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. In this same chapter, verse 14, Jesus said, If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What an open door. What a blank check. Now, do you believe him? Expectancy. If you expect to go out of here and have it the same old way, then that's the way it will be. But if you expect the Holy Spirit to honor the word that Jesus Christ has sent the Holy Spirit to bring you through victoriously as a conqueror, then I guarantee you it will happen. It's part of the record. The third word is simplicity. The simplicity of faith. Why did Jesus take a child, set that child in the midst of the disciples? as an illustration of faith and simplicity. He said, unless you become like this little child, you will not enter the kingdom. Or in other words, you will not have the blessings of my kingdom. You have to have the simplicity of faith that a child has. 
These kids are wonderful to watch. They believe what you tell them. They have a simplistic approach to what their needs are. People often ask me, well, how many times should I ask the Lord for something? How many times does your child ask? Until they get it, right? Right. That's why Jesus said, take a look at this child. This is a spiritual illustration. If you'll get simple like that child, then you're going to see the power of God and the demonstration of God. The church should be preoccupied with the grassroots. There is an awareness that God is against sin and suffering. Simplicity of faith says we can come against that. We can see mighty conversions. We can see God breaking into human need by His awesome power. Simplistic faith. Do you believe it? My awareness of the real simplicity of faith on the part of those who need to see sons and daughters converted is real in my life this morning. If you need to see miracles, it will come as you are aware of the need of simplicity. I would be throwing myself upon God if I had families like some of you have. I would not get off of my face until I felt God heard my prayer. Brokenness, sons and daughters running helter-skelter without any purpose in life on drugs and in sin of all kinds. I would be at the altar every time I had an opportunity to say, Lord, by faith I claim my son, I claim my daughter, I write his, her, or her name in front of you, Lord, believing that you're a God of compassion. And yet, where are you? You're running out. You're not here. You're not on your face. What's the problem? Do you believe? That's the problem. If you believed, you'd be there where God could hear your cry and meet your need and your family would be redeemed. I believe that. You don't have to go around forever with this heavy burden. Simplistic faith brings the Holy Spirit into the circumstance. Lady after the early service met us in the back hallway and said, I don't even know why I'm here. I haven't been in church in years. Tears in her eyes. Spirit of God at work in her life. That's what can happen when we have simplistic faith. Maybe that was somebody's daughter, somebody's wife. Somebody had been praying. Somebody had been believing. They didn't even know why they were here, but Jesus touched their heart. Oh, the blessed Holy Spirit will do great things when in simplicity of faith we move out in him. Let me illustrate it. I brought a book to the platform today. It's an interesting book. It's called, Look Out, the Pentecostals are Coming. <laughs> Part of my library. It's a book by Peter Wagner of the Fuller Theological Seminary. Pages 18 to 22 in this book has a story of one of our evangelists, Tommy Hicks. Tommy Hicks was in Tallahassee, Florida in the early 50s conducting a revival campaign when he saw a vision of a map, a map of South America. And on the map, he saw 
uh, waves of grain, and he saw these stalks of grain suddenly going going over. They were ready for harvest, and suddenly those stalks of grain became, became people, and they began to say to him in his vision, Brother Hicks, come down and help us! It was a Macedonian call. He didn't say anything to anybody about it. Three months later, he was in Red Bluff, California, right down the road here, conducting another meeting. And in the pastor's home, the pastor's wife prophesied exactly the same words that he heard three months before without saying a word to anybody. And it broke his spirit, and he knew what he had to do. He got rid of all of his debts. He bought a plane ticket had $47 left and announced he was leaving for South America. Had never been there before. Didn't speak the language. He said, I felt rather silly. With a plane ticket, no language to speak, and $47. But within my soul, I was at peace with God. On the flight to Argentina, he's sitting in his seat, and the name Perón kept coming to his mind. He didn't know that name. Called the stewardess over, and he said, uh, does the name Perón mean anything to you? And she said, well, of course, he's the president of Argentina. Well, he had his mandate. He was to see the president of Argentina. He was discouraged in doing this, even by the missionaries. You'll always find blocks in your way. If you let them stay there, what we're talking about, simplistic faith, will not operate and will not be able to consummate. Missionary said, Brother Hicks, you can't go to the president. Why, they could even exile you to Tierra del Fugo, which is the equivalent there of Siberia. Now that's encouraging, isn't it, from God's spirit-filled servants? Well, that's what we find many times. Instead of moving by simple faith, the promptings of the Holy Spirit will find every reason not to do it. But he knew he was supposed to do it, and after persistence, he got into the office of the minister of religion. That's as far as he could get. Perone could not handle any more visitors. So there was Brother Hicks sitting in this office of religion trying to figure out what to do when the minister of religion secretary came in limping. His left leg had turned black and blue and the muscles had stiffened. The knee was badly swollen and he asked permission to go home. Well, at that, Brother Hicks had another prompting. He jumped to his feet and he said, let's pray about it. And that secretary of the minister of religion said, if Jesus Christ were here himself, he couldn't help this leg. Now, how would that strike you? Strange country, all of these circumstances in your pathway. Brother Hicks was undaunted. He got down on his knees, put both hands around the knee of that secretary of the minister of religion and said, Jesus Christ healed this leg perform a miracle. And he said, as I had my hands there, I felt the muscles loosening underneath my hands. He said, I knew a miracle was happening. And suddenly that man standing there got all excited. His eyes opened up widely because instantaneously all of the pain left his leg. It was gone in a moment. 
And then Brother Hicks said, I'd really like to see the president, The minister of religion who was in that room said, I'll take you to him myself. Follow me. <laughs> he walked into Mr. Perone's office, was graciously welcomed. Brother Hicks talked to him about his mission. When he was through, he prayed for the president, and the president embraced him. And when Brother Hicks left the room, he said to the secretary, give that man anything he asked for. What did he ask for? He asked for free access to the government radio and the government press and the stadium in the city, and he got it all. What happened? Two million people came to the meetings. He preached for 52 straight days. On the last day, 200,000 people filled that stadium. Unprecedented thousands were converted. Miracles of all kinds. How did it start? Simplistic faith. Response to something the Holy Spirit was doing in his life. How often we've had those responses. Speak to the boss today. Speak to the secretary today. Go to your neighbor today. Turn here today instead of going the regular route. That's the Holy Spirit. He's a parakletos alongside to help. We're to listen and act in simplistic faith to what he says. And the world will know that Jesus is alive. Listen to him. There's one more word and then I'll close. The word is joy. Joy is another important characteristic of the Spirit's work. Look around at happy faces. God wants you to be joyous. I, I thought I knew the meaning of joy. I opened the dictionary to see what the dictionary said, and it said, strong feeling of pleasure. Now, what you're doing is really a wonderful thing. It's not pain. It's not morbid. This is the best. God is here. Strong feeling of pleasure. I said to my wife the other day, I'm, I'm so blessed, I feel guilty. You know, I feel like smiling all the time. She said to me the other day, you were sick. I knew you were sick. You were coughing, and yet you got up at that pulpit, and you acted like there wasn't anything wrong in the world. Well, there isn't. What's a little congestion? I'm getting on top of that. I've got heaven. I have the Holy Spirit. I have Jesus right here. He's right here. Hi, Jesus. I don't have any needs. All I have are opportunities for God to show himself mighty. And I'm filled with joy. Strong feeling of pleasure. Acts chapter 8. Samaria, revival. It's an exciting ending when you come to the 8th verse of Acts chapter 8 and you read, and there was great joy in that city. What is there in Sacramento? There's a spirit of murder. There's a spirit of rape. There's a spirit of crime. There's a spirit of dirty politics. 
What does God want? He wants joy in the city. Where's it going to come from? Right here from you and me who have the Holy Spirit alongside to help and we're not morbid and we're not dull and we're not going around with a long face and saying everything is hopeless. No way. It's when we experience what they experienced in Samaria. Listen, unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. Strong feeling of pleasure. People out there don't have pleasure. It only is for a season outside of the blessed Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, it lasts and it lasts and it lasts and it lasts. In the good times and in the bad times. Do you have joy? You're looking for something? You can find it today. Reality, expectancy, simplicity, joy. And what did our Lord promise us in this passage? I will pray the Holy Spirit, or the Father rather, He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. He dwelleth with you, shall be in you the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. He said, I will pray. I'll bring it to pass. I heard an excerpt of a radio program yesterday while I was in my car. Young man interviewed on the street about Christianity and the Bible. He said the Bible can't be true because men wrote it long after the incidents happened. Well, my, my, my. Jesus said, I will bring all things to your remembrance. Whatever I've said unto you, it'll come back to mine. And they wrote it down exactly as the Holy Spirit prompted them. Is that any problem with God? None at all. He recorded it exactly as he wanted it recorded. He put it down exactly as he wanted it put down. It's real. It's powerful. It's working in our world. Let's not get so sophisticated and so comfortable that we can't let this blessed Holy Spirit move in upon us and do for us miracles instantaneously that will marvel men and cause them to turn from their wickedness to this Savior who gives joy and meaning and purpose to life. I'm calling you to that today in the name of Christ. Open up, move in, receive, believe, experience. The blessed Holy Spirit was sent for our edification, our comfort, our strength, our motivation. And he's here this morning to do a mighty work in and through your life and in and through my life as we give ourselves fully unto him. You don't have reality today. It's right there at your fingertips. The Holy Spirit has come. Jesus is praying now that he will have room in every life and every heart in this place. He is what? A helper, a paraclete, a comforter, alongside to help. If you've come expecting and believing, you can go away with your miracle. Let's pray. As our heads are bowed, 
as we are in the presence of God, and as you have heard the preaching of the word this morning, God has taken it and placed it upon your heart. You feel you need to act upon it today. You need a miracle. Maybe you need salvation. Maybe you need deliverance. Maybe there's something that's dragging you to the pits. There's one that can help. And he can do it immediately. Whomever the Holy Spirit has been talking to during this service, and you would like prayer, I want you to stand to your feet right now before I pray with heads bowed. I want you to just stand to your feet, whoever you are, whatever your need, whatever your circumstance. That doesn't need to be declared to me. You just declare it to God and God will be there to help you. Stand right up along with these that are already standing on their feet. Just get up. The Holy Spirit's been talking to you. If you need your sins forgiven, the Holy Spirit is here. If you need deliverance, he's here. If you need joy, get up. If you need reality, get up. If you need a simpler faith to act upon for your family or your circumstance, your marriage, whatever, stand. This is a moment the Holy Spirit is zeroing in on your life to help, not to hurt, to help. Stand. Take this step of faith, this first step, and just stand for prayer. Hallelujah. There are many standing. God bless each of you. Now, just before I pray, I'd like those who are seated who feel the touch of God's Spirit in your life, I want you to look up and look around, see who you could go stand by and just put your arm on or your hand on, your arm around right now, just before I pray. I want them to have a friend there with them. Just be used of God, if you will, as we come to the prayer time. This whole sanctuary is our altar this morning. Back in every pew, it's an altar and the Holy Spirit will come alongside to help. Look around now, move toward those that have been standing, and God will be there to minister. Thank you for helping. Don't let anyone stand alone now. Hallelujah. Now let's all rise, everybody, and let us pray, and let us seek God as we lay our hands upon these dear ones. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we call upon you, for the help of the Holy Spirit right now. There are people that have stood who need their sins forgiven, and we call out to you, forgive them of their sins. Blot out their iniquities. There are people that need deliverance from habits. Break those habits right now as hands are laid upon them. We rebuke the enemy. We rebuke Satan in Jesus' name. There are people that need to be free. Set them free. Holy Spirit, there are marriages represented by those that stood.